Well, well, looky here. Welcome back. I'm sure you're asking yourself, was this podcast canceled? No, baby. We're back in the saddle and ready to roll. It is Tuesday, July 16th. And there is a lot of content out there. But of course, we can't start the show without introducing my partner, Zach. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to get back in here. We've got so much to talk about that happened over the last two, three weeks since last time we've been in here. Right. So much to talk about. And honestly, it's not even just restricted to the teams we follow. It's the sports in as a whole. Right. There's so much going on. Uh, first off, in this first segment, we're going to break it down. We're going to go into the NFL. A lot of things happening. Supposedly, the NFL is on the verge of offering up a deal with the upcoming CBA with the NFLPA of a weird an absolutely weird turn of events with their system of how to implement an 18-game schedule in the future. On the other side of it, in baseball, there's also some major rule happenings. Not really in any close chance of being in the league in the next couple of years, but it's in a trial run. More specifically, in an independent league they're working on. But right away, I want to focus on our team first, real quick, and... I always say this, no news is good news. Usually, in this part of the year, especially with the the football team, right? Um, I think the most news you really can say you have right now is that Baker got married. Yeah, and congratulations, Baker. I know you're a uh, uh, constant listener, proud <laughs> supporter of the Mini Lot Drunkards nah, he's podcast. Got to, he's got too much time on that Fortnite. That's fine. He can listen to it as he plays. He'll just listen to it on a two and a half speed and just kind of power through it. Appreciate you, Baker. I don't think I told you this, but you know Sal's been back on and playing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But it's because you know we talk about it a lot. He's met a special lady friend, and she's mm-hmm. a big Fortnite player. Yeah, and he hadn't played in like six, seven months. Hot back on, and told me he wanted to get off of it in about thirty minutes max. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like about right. Well, the thing with Fortnite too is it changes every season, and within every season, it changes four or five times. So like. I, I honestly haven't played since they got rid of the airplanes. Oh, it was so different. I I hopped on for like the first time in like three or four months, about a couple weeks ago. You don't even recognize it. There's like a bunch of like turbines you can fly through and whatnot. And oh, it's flying back. Well, you there's like the little wind turbines and you go through them and oh. it, like you can fly through the course. But okay, that's that's okay, how okay. new it is to me. Like I had not seen it. See, I I haven't played in forever, but they bring back the planes. I'm all in. Oh no, the planes are long gone. This is like I, a, I know they're long this gone. This is like but, a new gen style. Ooh, I'm tempted, but also I've got like two different career modes with the show going on right now that I'm trying to go through, living through some frustrations of not getting called up by the Indians. Yeah, you know I'm hitting 400 right now, and I'm still stuck in double A. So yeah, I turned up my or turned down my difficulty setting with my pitcher. I had an ERA for an entire season. Oh, you got to play with the O's. I pitched five games and they brought me up from double A all the way up to the majors. So. I had an ERA of under point two for an entire that's, season, that's and pretty, I didn't sniff the majors. That's pretty bad. All right, well let's dive in real quick. Like I said, there's really no news to report other than training camps right around the corner, and before you know it. The first preseason game just for the NFL in general is August 8th, I believe. That sounds right. No. No, it's got to be earlier than that. When's the Hall of Fame game? All I know is we are 55 days away from week one, though. <laughs> 55. You got the countdown. And, oh, I'm sorry. The Hall of Fame game is August 1st. Oof. August 1st, it's that close. Oof, I can smell it. That's what? Two weeks from Thursday? Yeah. I kind of want to just go find a nice fresh field and just smell some grass and just kind of <laughs> well, get it into my system. You rem- oh, that That's actually very ironic of a statement to make because if you remember correctly, was it two years ago where they put a bad version of like paint on their turf surface up there or whatever mm. and they were doing some mowing and whatnot and just completely like essentially the paint was just melting off the field. Yeah, that's how... You remember that? Because they actually had to cancel the game. <sighs> Oh, yeah, 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 Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was two years ago, but it yeah. might be three. Oh, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, like three, four years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, was, I mean, there's I, something about the paint or the logos that they were spraying on. Yeah. I mean, they probably just use the, I feel like they probably just use like house paint and you got to use like the special <laughs> like hey, spray cans. I have family that are from Canton. If I know anything is that they like to be cheap. 
Well, I, if I remember too, like it wasn't necessarily even just the pain; it was all the the rubber pellets that come with the turf. Like, well, didn't it all just rise to the surface? I think it's something like that. I'm I'm gonna have to read up on it later, but it was, it was still one of those things when it happened. Like it happened the day off. Yeah. So everybody showed up. This pl- this shield is completely unplayable, and they're like. Well, crap. What do, what do we do now? <laughs> it's kind of hard. And you just refunded everybody. It's kind of hard pressed to uh, find a situation that you can't play on a turf field when it's not just like flooded. Like that's the only reason why I could think where justifiably that you would not be able to play on a turf field. In this day and age, yes, I know. Back in the day when they had like um, the AstroTurf, back well, in, like AstroTurf's- what Ohio State said. I mean, that was legitimately just carpet. Yeah, it's car- rain. Yeah, AstroTurf is literally carpet on top of concrete. I, I don't understand how anyone ever played any type of sport and didn't just die. I heard back in the day, because Ohio State used to open the shoe actually to just public recreational like use on, on weekends back then when they had that AstroTurf. Mm. And people were out there playing football in jeans and whatnot. You oh, slide or you like fall, because you had to. Because if you fall on that AstroTurf, it, yeah, I mean, it would that, completely take you. the blue out of your jeans is what I would hear. Oof. Stuff like that. Yeah, I'll stay away from AstroTurf. But to get back to our main topic for the NFL today, so it was kind of like a news dump. It's the best way to put it because, you know, if part of my take's not even covering on their Monday episode, something's off because this dropped on Friday. It was a report that it came from most notably Pro Football Talk had this and Mike Florio. It's that owners have proposed 18-game schedule with a 16-game limit for each player. It's their idea to expand the season while not expanding the strain on the athlete, which I guess has good intentions, but this is such a bad idea in so many facets. See, I don't even think it has good intentions. My, the way I'm looking into this as they want to be able to charge you two extra regular season games for like season ticket holders. Oh, yeah. Without risking their, without risking their key players. And then also, too, like, I'm assuming that if this were to come into play, that you would rest your good players against bad teams. I don't know if you do it all at once or if you kind of have, like, a cycle. But, I mean, I, I for one, would be very pissed off if I bought tickets. Because I just bought tickets for this upcoming season today. They're not the cheapest, especially with the Browns upcoming. NFL in general, go look at the average ticket. Well, yeah. Yeah. Unless you root for a bad team and choose to go to a late game in the snow and then you pay $8 or something like that. But no, I'd be so pissed if I bought tickets and then I go up there to find out, oh yeah, Baker's being rested today for workload management. I'd be livid that I paid all that money to not see some of our top players play. Yeah, it's that's a big carry-on point that everybody's been making since this report dropped back on Friday. Um, I know Florio himself brought up this point, and it's actually a really good one. It kind of carries off of what you said. He made an example of the Browns this year. So they're going to play in Arizona on a mm-hmm. Thursday night game. It's part of this whole deal with the contract situation that you had to play at a place once every eight years minimal. Okay. So this is, I think we we haven't been to Arizona in the past eight years or whatever. So you're thinking about, I mean, just go look at Browns backers. They're everywhere. Yeah. I'm sure there's a big fan base down there in Phoenix. Oh, there has to be. So they're looking towards that game, that Thursday night game, to go and see their team play. That's really the only chance they get to see them in person. Right. And you're telling me that it could be one of those games where Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry happen to be out because maybe the Cardinals are bad and the Browns feel comfortable that they can use that game as one of the games to keep their star players out. Right. Yeah. Like, that's... I, I do like not that wa- screws not only does that just screw over the product on the field, it screws over the fans in general. Like it doesn't have to be restricted to the their home state or playing at home or whatever. Right. The NFL is such a globalized game and even much more so in a micro sized way and within the country, you have fans of all the different teams across all over the country. They're not just regionally located. Right. So I think it's just it's very it's turning a blind eye to the bigger issues at hand for something like this that just could create even more problems than it really needs to be. Yeah. No, this is 100% all about just lining the owner's pockets. And you know who? what league wouldn't have this issue? The AAF. We're going to go back to that, aren't we? (laughs) 
No, it, it, it's, it's another good point that Florio actually brought up. He made the point that uh, it, it shows how aggressive and how determined and how desperate, honestly, the NFL is to get 18 games on the docket because of the monetary aspect. Right. But that like they're it, trying to give this, I mean, I'm sure for a player's sake, they're kind of, they're not going to hate this, but it's just everybody no. else. Well, because I mean, the key players, like you, including preseason, that's a 20, 20 game schedule, and then you have the playoffs. Like, if you're a good player, you you play in maybe one preseason game week three, if that. I don't think it's fully, the, the concept isn't fully developed yet, because I feel like they would take away some preseason games if they did this. Yeah, no, I think I saw that you'd only go down to two preseason games. So, like, I just mean the amount of games that you would play over this 20-game span would relatively be about the same. The only thing I could, I think I saw, too, that they'd add an extra bye week in there. So that's the only thing I could understand that the players would like is, okay, you expand the schedule, but then I get an extra three weeks of rest because you have the bye week, and then if you have to sit out two weeks, I mean, that's three bonus weeks of rest that you kind of get sprinkled throughout the season instead of just kind of delaying the start of it that like we have now. But here's your biggest loophole, and it's, I don't know if loopholes are the right word to use, but it's kind of the, the ironic factor in this whole thing. You're cutting down two preseason games to get this 18-game schedule with 16-game limits on players. Mm-hmm. You're essentially creating an extra two glorified preseason games. Preseason because, games that count. Yes, that they, they, they actually count. So not only are people putting all this money into it, they're putting money into it like a regular season game, and it's being treated like a preseason game. Unfortunately, yeah. by default. Yeah. And might not honestly be intended by the league, but it's just a result of this proposed idea right now. Right, yeah. I mean, I feel like the like just trying to figure out like the logistics of like the players and which ones you rest. So like just put it in perspective of the Browns, like I'm assuming you wouldn't like sit Jarvis and Odell in the same game or would you? I, would you try and kind of spread so it out and factors. try and survive? Obviously, the biggest factor would be when your quarterback games that your quarterback sits out because obviously your backup quarterback doesn't get a whole lot of reps with the number ones. So even if you are just resting your resting your quarterback and ha- still have the ones out there, like they still don't have that that cadence that you would in that um, relationship that you would see amongst the ones. Right. I think it's there's so many factors that come into play with that. I think depending on who you play, if you're playing. The Cardinals last year, I think you're a little bit more lenient to sit more guys than you probably should in terms of starters. Yeah. But it's this concept is just a lot more complex than I think the NFL is even considering with this offer because you realize not just the quarterback, not just the wide receivers, not just the running backs— Every single player is limited to 16 games. That means your entire yeah, the, offensive yeah, line— Yeah, the lineman's going to be— All of your different positions— a 53-man roster cannot handle that. You're going to have to expand the roster size. You'd have size. to. You probably honestly had to go, I maybe this is a little bit too exaggerated, but your pre-se- or your training camp 90-man roster. Just screw it. I mean... You're going to have to do... It definitely is going to have to increase because you're you're definitely going to need... Like I feel like you'll, you'll also be notice, most noticeable with players missing would be your offensive linemen because you got to work on that timing. Right and like your quick steps and everything. Like that's, and then another thing too. So say you like you rest your quarterback within the first eight weeks, first or you rest him twice within the first twelve, and then you go on and then like the last few weeks you actually need to compete. So okay, that's one thing. But then what if you're trying to like kind of hedge your bet, play your quarterback through the first sixteen weeks, and hopefully you've put yourself in a position where you're in the playoffs and therefore you can rest him. To then sit the last two weeks because we do see that a, a lot. Like if there's not anything to play for in week 16, week 17, you'll see key players sit or maybe even only play a half, just uh, so that they won't get rusty. But it's just I- I'm not a fan of this the league, at all. The idea doesn't lack intrigue. I, I I'm gonna be honest, it, it doesn't lack intrigue. Why you're you're thinking of these concepts like that? That's actually kind of interesting to think about because. Let's be honest. Week seventeen is actually kind of it's treated like a glorified preseason week almost, right? With so a I mean, lot of teams. Yeah, because I mean, how many times did the Browns play the Steelers over the last five, six years, where the Browns would have to then play the Steelers' backups? Granted, they wouldn't oh. win, but still, they were playing backups themselves. Thaddeus Lewis, like, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's I a mean, flashback. I guess you're getting a little bit of a sample size every week 17 of this model while... Yeah, but like again, I mean, those are those yeah. are teams that have obviously the Steelers won during those years. They had won the division. They were set in their playoff. They weren't getting better. They weren't getting worse. They were set. No sense risking injury to Antonio Brown or Le'Veon or Ben. There's no point in risking that injury. So I mean, it makes sense from that point. I just if this were to happen, I'd just be very curious to see the type of strategies that the coaches and GMs would try and use. Then also too, like if you're a bad team. Maybe you rest your guys against a good team. Like, if you're a terrible team and you're playing the Patriots, I, I mean, you know you're not going to win. Might as well use one of your one of your uh, weeks off for a lot of your starters. Right. I agree with that. I, but I feel like this past season, especially with the North and how it was with the Steelers and the Ravens going down to the line, I think that's, an, that's a scenario for this just to be a complete disaster. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team like that. Where the Steelers were making their truck back. I mean, they had to work back hard, and they had a hard end of the season. Yeah. They beat the Patriots at home. Uh, they essentially had to win out the end of the year. Right. And, and you're, for you're, the Browns. you're telling me you're making that run back, but at the same time, you were so far down in a hole in the division that you had to play Ben. Let's, let's go right. and put ourselves in that situation. <clears throat> he hasn't taken his games off yet. He has to play to keep you in your division. Right. You get there to Week 16, you're like, I can't play yet. The last two games, like yeah, no you're in it, trouble. That's what I mean. It's it's going to create, like in in a very just theoretical term, like it's an okay idea, but like when you start to look into like the specifics, the realistic specifics of what could transpire because of this, absolutely terrible product on the field, absolutely terrible. Because yeah, if we if the Browns need to win the last two weeks, Baker's only rested once. You mean to tell me that I have to rest Baker when we need to win two games so we can get to the playoffs? Terrible idea. Terrible product. I don't even know if I would want to watch that. I don't think this proposal is something that's going to get the players and the player association to really move on anything because I don't really see the benefit they get in from it. The the season extended by two games and there's really no financial benefit. The the way the league is going to get this to 18 games, regardless of how their player limit or whatever happens, is it's going to be some type of financial gain. It's going to be yeah, some no. type of financial agreement in the new CBA that's coming up here. Well, they wouldn't do anything unless it increased revenue. They wouldn't consider doing anything. And also, here, here's right. a, I do have a little bit of a spin zone, too. Perhaps the NFL is just kind of throwing this out here because over the last few weeks, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, has kind of thrown out some different ideas that they'll can consider like a, a mid-season tournament kind of like some weird things like that so maybe the nfl is just kind of throwing these things out to maybe try and stay in the news be a little relevant oh the nfl never has issues doing that well i this is the worst time though this I, is like two week law until training camp starts yeah, yeah I, I, it, I it is that. like the it is like the biggest down because after the super bowl you just have the build up to the draft and you kind of have you have rookie mini camp what Especially when you tune in the Pro Football Talk on the mornings this time of year, you hear Pro or Mike Florio's out. That usually tells you what time of the year it is. Yeah, that there's just nothing going on. Well, plus no, you just gotta you gotta rest up for even the analyst. <laughs> Football is a long season. It is it's a long season. You gotta rest up. These are the weeks to do it. You got training camp starting here soon. Then you got preseason. Before you know it, will be week one. I just can't see them irresponsibly just throwing this out there for the hell of it when they're legitimately talks going on that they're actually accelerating their talks for the CBA with the Players Association and D. Marie Smith. So if you're getting that momentum started, why would you just even risk throwing out something dumb like this and kind of put them on guard? I guess the NBA has the luxury of not really being in that situation right now. Yeah. And quite honestly, if anything, their CBA needs to start fixing and to help the owners and the, oh, yeah, they're... the governors, the governors <laughs> in their teams. Yeah, no, it's the the NBA is that's a player driven league right now. More than any other league oh, we've seen before. Easily, baseball used to kind of be like that. I think A Rod kind of turned the trend on that, right? And because of how baseball is tightening their money and money ball has been glorified and everything, it's starting to turn the other way. NBA is the only one that you can say firmly right now that's in that direction of the players hold the power. Kawhi Leonard just. Finesse the Clippers for a two plus one year option. Quite on a Leonard, max, deer, Kawhi, max deal. I respect the hell out of Kawhi Leonard. 
He has destroyed four or five dynasties. Oh, yeah. He destroyed the Heat. He left the Spurs, so if you want to throw that one in there. Did Mercado go deep Mercado for the second just, time? Mercado just went deep again. Oh, my goodness. You know what? They actually said, day, Co- Oscar. They said coming in this game, you know, he's been having a slump and whatnot. I think he was down to 275, which for him was, you know, obviously a slump of almost 30 points. But, you know, oh, we're recording this Monday night, and he hits two bombs against the Tigers to help save Adam Plucko's ass. Have a day, Mercado. Um, Where were we? We were talking about the player power. Oh, yeah, in the with NBA. Kawhi destroyed. So he destroyed the Heat. He just, you could say he kind of destroyed the Spurs by leaving. He, yeah, no. I mean, they're stuck with a bad contract situation with Lamarcus Aldridge and, you know, Rudy Gay's their second best player. Like, right. they're, they're in trouble. He goes to Toronto. Grant wins, wins them a championship, and we've been saying this many times how much we would take many years of being bad if it meant one of our teams won a championship. Like if the Indians right. were to go 0-162 after winning a World Series, I'd still be happy. So he leaves that's the... Ra- actually, that's actually a very good point to make. Would you, and I talked to Bone here in the office last week about this, obviously price dependent possibly. Are you doing whatever it takes to go to a Super Bowl if they go down to Miami this year? Oh my if, goodness gracious. I know that's taboo to even talk about. They even think you're even having a conversation on that. But we were talking about fan bases that would just shell out the cash to go to it no matter what. Like See, whatever they could do possible. I I I would honestly kind of be more inclined to be up in Cleveland for that. You know what? I almost said the same thing. I'd I'd rather kind of like the I'd NBA rather, Finals, like the outside. Yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah, I would rather be with my people, my Browns people up there in Cleveland. I, like that. I would rather be and up you there. About a couple thousand dollars in the process. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Uh, that's tough, though. Never been. It is. Never been to a Super Bowl. And if anything, eight-time we, world champion though, just n- not a Super Bowl. <laughs> just name change. It's just a different name. No yeah, big deal. It's the same thing. But yeah, no, I. Uh, I don't know if I could do that. But I don't know. It's hard. No, I actually like your idea. I thought about it, and I, I never really brought it up in the discussion, but it's like, you know, I wanted that feeling with the Cavs, and I I always admit the NBA is never really in my forefront. And right. Yeah. I understand. I, I appreciate what it meant to Cleveland and what it yeah. meant to us, yeah. but, you know, it's not something that I just kind of hang my hat on. If I, anything, I agree. it's always going to be the Indians or the, the Browns. Yeah. And yeah. And we'll, we'll throw the BJs in there, too. I mean, they're not really Cleveland, but no, they're not I, I Cleveland. But for our teams that we follow closely, oh no, yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, um, but besides that, really, the NFL in, in terms of the news right now is just kind of the, the whole sphere of the league itself, and not really with the teams. And that's great if you have those type of news uh, situations, especially with the Browns. I feel like every summer there's always some weird talking point. I we had for day. a couple. We had for a couple of weeks the Duke Johnson stuff, but outside of that, yeah. really not a whole lot. I think really the only thing you can say that was in the news maybe the last couple of weeks was this viral video right before the ESPYS of Odell Beckham throwing this football a full length field like a hundred yards or whatever, and this challenging Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and uh, Patty Mahomes and Patty Mahomes <laughs> just says, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to go in the Arrowhead and just throw the ball out of the stadium." <laughs> well, it never it didn't actually make it out of the stadium though. Oh, it, didn't it? I don't think it went up and over the stands. I it didn't. Is go Arrowhead up. like built into the ground? I don't know. No, it, that would make it, sense. No, yeah. it's built up, but I don't think it. It never left the parking lot. It cleared. Oh, it, but it clearly it, didn't leave the parking lot. Yeah. Well, not left the park. Left. It didn't leave the stadium in the sense that it is outside the walls of the stadium. It. Okay. From what I could tell, it cleared all the stands and landed on like I mean, kind he, of the concourse mezzanine area. Right. Like. Again, clear the stand. The very, deck. very, very, I mean, very impressive. Yeah. I'm not not trying to undermine that whatsoever, but no, I feel like he didn't necessarily. When you say left the stadium, I think it's sitting in the parking lot somewhere, which, from what I could tell from the video that was shot from a helicopter, yeah, it's pretty cool. From what I could tell, it did not do that. Yeah, that is. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I expected some weird storylines and headlines with Odell, but I, I don't really know if, you know, throwing a, uh, well, I a think, football out of a stadium is really 
what I expected. Right. Okay? Well, I think what it is, though, is Odell saw Jarvis's throw against the Bengals last year, and he's just like, oh, Freddie, I can do that. Here, let me let me throw this ball the entire length of the field. I think I think Odell wants that play called for him this year. I think to finish this off this topic real quick before we go into baseball is to kind of actually there were some responses from the Players Association following that proposal that was leaked about an 18 game 16 play, or game limit for players and whatnot. Actually, it looks like the NFLPA's executive director DeMarie Smith that I referenced earlier uh, had some comments to make about a proposed 18 game season with a maximum per player limit of 16 games. Uh, he said along the lines to Cameron Wolf of ESPN, an 18-game schedule under any circumstance being in the best interest of our players. If somebody wants to make an 18-game proposal, we'll look at it. But anything that makes me think it would be good for the players. So that was like, that was his response. And at first when he said it, and when I kind of read it to myself, it seemed like they were totally against it. Mm-hmm but they're not shutting the door on it. Like they're they're open to it, but like I I think this is taking away the point we made that they don't really feel like as as long as it it has to make some type of financial gain for them or else it doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm assuming then they'd probably spend that in a way that you're st- during the 2 weeks that you sit out, you're still getting paid your normal game check. I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to be paid on an 18 game schedule. Well, for them the, for them the pe- for, for them, like on a site, an eighteen game cycle or whatever, mm-hmm. is how you would break it down. Well, do you like currently as it stands now? Do you do players get paid like a full game like salary for preseason, or like how does the how does preseason work into that? That's actually a good question. Because I mean, I don't I f- know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because I mean, obviously, it's not charged like just a, as a ticket. Like it's. An, for season ticket holders, it's charged as a full game, but I'm pretty sure if I were right. just to buy directly from whatever team, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be as as expensive. At least I'd hope not. I don't know. I've never no, looked I into don't. actually paying for a preseason game before, though. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, I know it's part of the like season ticket package if you get right, that. Right, yeah, they, they throw it in there because they want you to take the tickets because they know that you won't be able to sell out a preseason game. Of course not. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know how that factors even into the price of the season ticket in general. Yeah. Because anytime I see the price, I think of it in terms of an eight-game slate, not a... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ten. Except for the year we were in London. It was oh, a seven-game slate. That's right. I, I like that London game. I don't. I love the idea of waking up at 10 watching the Browns. I don't, sure, and, if I'm I, not losing the home game, though. Okay, well, that's different. But for me, like it didn't matter. I wasn't going to the game... Because my typical Sunday would go, watch the rounds at 1, be sad about it for the 4, four o'clock, 4.30 games, and then be a little productive before the 8 o'clock game, and then watch that. But with that, I got to actually enjoy the 4 o'clock, 4.30 games, because then I could just be sad for the 1 o'clock games. I, I, I just like the idea of waking up and watching football. I, I think I should probably go to the West Coast, where I can just wake up, football's oh, on no. all day. No, not West Coast. You can go Mountain Time. Okay, I could do Mountain. I've too. heard Mountain Time is actually the best time zone to watch sports in. I just want to be able to watch the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors play a football game at home. Dude, and- there's nothing like staying up on the East Coast at least at 12 a.m., 1 a.m. on a janky Reddit stream watching the <laughs> Rainbow Warriors playing Fordham. Uh, Fordham's not even a Division One FBS team, if you're asking. Um, no. <laughs> No, actually, Mountain Time is definitely the best because it's like yeah, feel- most primetime games there, if it's on the East Coast, will start at 6 their time, or if it's on the West Coast, it's 5. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can live with that. Yeah, it's not bad. But we teased also that baseball is having a lot of rule proposals at this point. It's not as far along as what the NFL thinks is going to be with their CBA and their rule proposals. But we got to dive into that next, and what does it mean for the league, and what does it mean for the viewership and the fans? All right, well, we're back, and we were about to start talking baseball, but, you know, Zach over here wants to talk about Area 51. Go ahead and, you know, just get out there what you wanted to say real quick, because I know everybody's been talking about it. There's memes all across social media (laughs) right now, so you might as well just go on ahead. Okay, so uh, I think it was Saturday when I just slept in, Looked at my Twitter feed. Just well, that's not surprising. Let's just say that right away. Actually, no, I did have work, but 
regardless, it was a little, it was the afternoon on my Twitter feed. And I just see all these tweets and like gifts of aliens talking about aliens, Area 51. I'm like, what the hell's going on right now? And then I get this update from my Barstool app about a story that was written about this Area 51 thing. So for those of you that don't know, there's this Facebook group that has been started talking about storming Area 51 on September 17th? There's some date in September. They're talking yeah, about... right around my birthday, actually, so that <laughs> might be a fun trip. <laughs> so they're talking about storming Area 51, the secret, not-so-secret military base out in Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas. And there are over... Military base or alien base? Military base where they house the aliens. Duh. Good call. There have been over 400,000 people that have said that they're going to join. Oh, it's been more than that. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's approaching a mil. In At, terms of like the the Facebook page or whatever, yeah. the petition or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's creeping up there. Okay, so I, when I first when I first saw it, it was like Saturday and it was like it just reached like 400,000. So, yeah, now we have close to a million people signing this Facebook petition that but How many of those people are actually going to show up? See, I I've been talking about this. I think there will be between I'll, I'll go between, I'll play it safe, Z- between zero and 400. Not more than 400 people will be there. I like that. I like that call. Also, I I would really like, well, first of all, they're like, their mindset is, oh, they can't get all of us. That is absolutely not call, true. If we all Naruto run, <laughs> and if you've ever seen Naruto, good call, because I've never seen it either, but I just heard it's like this weird like anime running style, okay. just like zigzagging and whatnot. They can't shoot us all, right? No, that that is the worst mindset to have. This is the U.S. government. They have every capability. They can take out cities, let alone just people just running in sand. We had the atomic bomb back <laughs> yes. before 1950. Yes. No, I'm they, pretty sure they're well advanced past. They absolutely can take you all out, but what I think will happen if there is a, I'll call it a substantial amount of people. I'll even call a group of twenty people substantial. More than one, yeah. What they're going to do is they're going to shoot beanbag, non-lethal weapons at them. They're going to shoot beanbags at them. Well, I don't they're know going about to shoot that. rubber think, pellet guns at them. I think Area 51 actually has the exception of that. I think they actually have the exception where you, if you come on property. They have the right to put you down. They could. I feel like they would do that with one person. I feel like this is blown up too much, though, that I think actually killing someone would be too far because of the backlash that they would get. If if just a random story came out and said, oh, someone was trespassing on Area 51 and he had to be put down. Like, okay, I would believe that. But if you have a group of like 50 people, I don't think they're just going to go out there and just shoot everyone down. I think they're just going to beanbag them and detain them and go from there. I think you'd be very surprised to see what they would do. And I think I, I, I think I would be too. See, I ran out this idea. They should go on horseback. Because if you do that... What, what that, does that change? Uh, it's... You don't even know what's in there. Like, you don't... Well, I can tell you you're going to have about, like, five to ten miles of sand, at least, desert between you... And I'm sure even any when you enter the zone, it's still going to be a, it's going to be a hall. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be nothing. There's going to be empty hangars. There will probably be hangars that are locked. Sure. sure. And there's going to be a lot of there's going to be armed guards there. But no, I I think if you go on horseback, then that'll force them to aim for you because they don't want to hurt the horse. Because again, public backlash. Right. I got so many questions about this. First off, I want to know how you get a job in there. Like if you can't really get in there how do you apply to get a job inside there that's i mean if, if i'm an area 51 guard though i'm i'm salivating that's some stories. i'm chomping i'm chomping at the bit right now oh. well not only because of what you potentially know but the fact that you might actually be able to do something now <laughs> yes because people are usually scared off to just not even mess with it right well i mean i've seen story i think it probably like history channel something like that like if you're just off the road within like five miles of any post-it sign saying no trespassing, you will be followed by, like, black SUVs just stalking you, watching your movements. That's, that's, that's how top secret this is. So I I don't know. I, I, I want a substantial amount of people to show up because I want to see what will happen. You know what? That's a good I story. I made my decision. I want to sign up. I want to sign up, and I want to go. See, my concern but, is if you sign that, you're putting your name on it, you're going to be on a government watch list for the rest of your life. But... 
I just take my lawn chair <laughs> and I pull up. I find a nice little hill right outside one of the signs and I watch the show go down. Ooh, I like that. And then I'll uh, I'll add some mad dogs. Give me a couple mad dogs, post up on a hill, watch it go down. Oh man, oh, just that's in the middle of Nevada. That's gonna be hot. You need something to cool you off, like some nice. Uh, we'll have an umbrella, some claws. <laughs> no, ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws, homeboy. No, that seltzer water's not good. It's not good. You're like one of maybe two people in this world that think that. That's fine. I. It's fine if other people like to drink it. I'm not saying you can't drink it. I'm just saying, in my personal taste, it t- it tastes <laughs> le- terrible. That's I guess that's here. Bad. You can give me my first bleep. It hey. tastes like a- beep, 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 beep. You know what? I'm on the board. You cursed yourself with that one because you said right before we came on for segment no, two that I, you're the that only was one. intentional. That w- this right okay. here was intentional. Okay. I, I knew what I was doing. We'll go with that. That, that. I just wanted to emphasize how bad I think white claws taste. Trulies aren't any better either. I've had both of them. I've had different flavors. I don't like them. I'm just saying, though, it's the same alcohol content as your little Budweiser that you love. and it's... You See, I've been more into the craft beers lately. Okay. Give, well, give me those dark styles. You're really helping me make my point here. That's okay. You can drink your Trulies and your White Claws as you watch The Bachelorette. It's fine. I understand. I actually have not seen a single episode this season. I didn't like Hannah. I've, I didn't, I didn't really I've heard it. it's not been a good season. Yeah, if you're listening, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Beep! Oh, Sorry. what a shame. But that was true love. Ah, you Everything know that happens on that show is I true know love. I say spoiler, but literally it's all over social media. I guarantee you, if you've listened to this and you like The Bachelorette, you've already seen it. Uh, Zach, make sure your sister doesn't listen to this pod because if she does, or tell her to wait until after, uh, no, that's fine. She I, can I be, think Monday. It can be ruined for her. I don't care. You know what? I'll bleep it out later on. No, it's it's <laughs> no 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 trash TV. No 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 no. Um, okay, we should we, probably get yeah, back to we sports here. Probably should here. get back. Yeah, stick to sports. I got you. Well, also uh, too, I I did want to before we got into like our baseball segment today, I kind of wanted to get into like a little deeper side of things based off of what exactly. Well, just some of the events that have taken place over the last few weeks since we last did our podcast. Sure, go ahead. So we had the. First, we had the unfortunate passing of the Angels pitcher, Tyler Skaggs. Uh, 27 years old, was just found unresponsive in his hotel room before a uh, before a game in Texas. So I just, obviously we don't know what happened. We won't know until the autopsy. But, I mean, your heart just has to go out to his family, his entire team. And just the baseball community as a whole was was hurting after that day. And to then see the, the no-hitter... Combined no-hitter that was thrown by the Angels uh, on the day that they honored him and all wore 45 Skaggs jerseys. To me, that just shows that there there's something out there at work. I've heard that comment a lot in the past couple of days of people referring to it like that. And I, I'm i not the one to pass that judgment and that decision on the people to make them, let them decide that and what they think. Uh, but me- it, it sure is... To me, it uh, just kind of reinforces sure. reinforces some things. And then plus two, you throw out some like weird coincidences that are out there. Like the last time a combined no-hitter was thrown in the state of California was the same day that Tyler Skaggs was born. I mean, these are just like, I don't even know first off how they find these stats. It's Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's just weird coincidences. But I don't know. It's To me, it just kind of reinforces some of my personal beliefs. Um, and then the other... Uh, kind of deeper news was Carlos Carrasco was officially diagnosed with leukemia, which obviously is never any type of cancer is publicly, never yeah, never yeah, good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, he's known for a couple months now, but it actually came out publicly publicly. And I will say, the moment that I probably will remember most about this All Star Game weekend was when they did their, because they always do the stand-up to cancer right. during the All-Star game. And when then they showed Carlos Carrasco standing there with the uh, All-Star teammates and Tito, uh, and all their signs said, I stand with Cookie. That that struck a chord with me. Definitely uh, definitely had a, a few tears in my eyes. That was that was something. Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself. It was... Uh... Quite a good week, and hopefully it provides the spark needed for the sport going forward because a sport that's been dying for more exposure and more fandom and more excitement around it and, mm-hmm. you know, being called 
uh, America's pastime has started to fade and more of a dying pastime in most people's opinion. Mm -hmm. Hopefully moments like that and uh, just a lot of the different things they portrayed in that week can be applied going forward into the second half of the season and for years to come because I think it'll be very beneficial for the sport. Right. But obviously a lot of impactful things happening in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Most notably also is these new rule things that the MLB is trying to dip into, just like the NFL. Anything that they can get an advantage on their sport, get more viewership, more interest, and kind of mix things up. Baseball knows that they need to make changes, like what we saw maybe this past week in Cleveland with the All-Star game and whatnot, and the player interviews, which I don't see happening in a competitive atmosphere ever. But no, just, see, just seeing those sides of guys and whatnot is pretty interesting. But one thing that's... I mean, even I couldn't even have dreamt of is some of these rules that the MLB are using in an independent baseball league, professional league, uh, called the Atlantic League, that quite honestly, the rules and stipulations that I never would have imagined them even dipping their toes into. So obviously, you've probably at this point heard about the robotic umpires, which See, is... I think calling it robotic is an overstretch. It is a computerized strike zone. There's not there's no robots involved in this whatsoever. It's a very misleading term. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I, I would just like to say no, if you say robot, I'm expect I want to see a I want to see a robot out there. And I want to see it I want to see it punching guys out. This is this is this is quite a conversation we're going down right now. All I know is to say <laughs> there is a little earpiece that goes into the umpire's head and it AirPods. tells him what yes, AirPods that tell him to decide whether it's a ball or a strike. You've probably heard that to this point. What you probably haven't heard is another proposal and another rule that's going to be worked on in the second half of the season here in the Atlantic League, and it is the, we're calling it Stealing First Base? Yeah, Stealing First is the name that they're going with. So essentially, you know the rule already itself as advancing balls on, or drop, on third stri- drop third strike, where obviously if the catcher doesn't catch the ball in flight on a th- third strike, like a swinging strike, that the player can actually try to advance to first base. Well, get ready because that rule is now going to be applied, at least in the Atlantic League, to any time in the count. So regardless of what the count is for the batter, if that catcher does not catch the ball, he has the right to go to first base. So what attempt to go to first base. So what's justified, like, okay, can I take a step? And then can he throw it? Like, how are we going to, like, okay, can I kind of just, like, fake the catcher out just to have a little fun with um, that? I've been trying to read up more on, like, the specifics of the rule and how are they going to enforce this. Um, I, I did see it was oh, done. I, I see. Okay, so a batter becomes a runner according to the rule when he takes both feet out of the batter's box towards okay. first base. Okay. Okay, well, at least that's a defined thing and you have... You have lines that you can look at. I'm actually going to do this in live. I'm actually going to watch an example of this in the Atlantic League. Oh, yeah, I I saw the video. It's, I mean, it's your standard wild pitch. The guy just bolts for first and is safe. You're creating, you're creating more, okay, yes, you're creating more action, but you're creating more runners, which will then lead to more runs, which will then lead to longer games. We saw that in the London series. I agree. London series, I don't even know if I could call call that baseball. What was? I mean, I I'm assuming it was played in a cricket stadium. That was more of a cricket style uh, scoring there. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison to make. And cricket games go on for days. If that's what they're trying to lean towards with having uh, having more runs close. and everything. Yeah, they're probably no, they're probably close. I mean, to me, the people that have problems with baseball, the two biggest complaints I hear is. There's not enough runs scored. It's a slow game, so not enough runs scored. And the game takes too long. You can have one or you can have the other. You can't have both. We saw what a lot of runs looks like. It's a four and a half, it's a four hour and 45 minute game. We saw that in London. People who are fans of the teams got tired of watching it. Right, they put up what combined like 51 runs in two games. Absolutely ridiculous. Something like that. Like it's... That's not baseball. I mean, granted, too, a lot of it had to do with the fact it was 375 to dead center. Is that right? Yeah, the stadium dimensions were rather skewed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't watch a second of it because personally I don't 
believe in watching every single game of Red Sox mm-hmm. Yankees. I, I really don't have an interest in it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I don't even think Bundy has an interest in it. I well, you know he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he's stupid. He's playing Fortnite. He couldn't even tell you how far his team's out in the wild card race. That's true, but you know he'll be wearing Red Sox stuff though. If no, he honestly he he won't. He doesn't ever really wear it. I actually got to give him that. He's just a fake fan through and through. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll give him credit as long as he's not wearing you really championship did. gear. I just this rule is trying to combat one issue of the game, but at the same time, it's negatively impacting another form, which you just brought up. It's obviously meant to fix this issue in baseball where it's, what is it, close to two minutes until a ball is put in play when the at-bat starts. Yeah. I think that's what, they're trying to get action, obviously, which you just mentioned. They're trying to get the action, but it negatively affects things like pace of play, uh, time length, game length. I mean, you're worried about getting games under, I think their goal right now is two hours, 50 minutes. Good luck with that. Get it under Give me three hours consistently and I'll be happy. Because that the average fan like us, yes, but the casual though, those are the ones that they're trying to bring back in. I mean, yeah, because you don't really have another choice. But like, I mean, every other sport is timed. You know when things are going to end. With football, you, I know to block right. out three hours of my day on on Sundays to watch the Browns. Right. With baseball, you have a general idea of oh, the game's at one. It'll be done for four thirty ish, between three to three and a half hours. That's generally a safe bet. Sometimes you get, well, I'll call it lucky. Sometimes you see a pitcher's duel, and it's done in two and a half hours. To me, I have zero problem with a a one nothing, two nothing, two one game. That's two hour, two and a half hours. That that's a good baseball game. I, to me, baseball isn't about runs scored. It's about defense. Again, you're talking like any baseball purist known to man. But if you're taking the average Joe off the street that really isn't big into baseball like us and you're telling them to sit there and watch a 2-1 game, I think the only thing that's keeping them there is the hot dogs and soda pops. That's well, a, I, I mean, that's about it. I mean, we and we're starting to see a lot of stadiums kind of cater to that too. Like we saw, it's been, what, four or five years now since the Indians have had the district tickets? Oh, yeah. But like, it was $10 and it was 12 Now I think it's up to 15 where you get standing room ticket. And a free beer. Yeah. That, that's that's a good deal. I'll take full advantage of that. But then also, too, like you said, like it's people go in. People won't get there until second, third inning. And people will leave seventh, eighth inning. Not a fan of those people. But also, I mean, I guess they leave so I can move up and take their spots. It's the casuals. It's the people using it as a night out. It's the people using it as an opportunity to just do something for the night. For the gram. Well, you get a lot of that too, <laughs> especially out in the district. Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of that. Um, you know, one way to finish off this podcast tonight is, you know, we actually might want to talk about our team a little bit. <laughs> um, so we're sitting here; it's Monday night, heading into Tuesday, July sixteenth. So the trade deadline is approximately sixteen, fifteen to sixteen. So just a little over two weeks away, and. If you're sitting there as an Indians fan right now, you're in a complete state of unknown. You really don't know the path that your team's going to take. You kind of have a hunch just knowing how your owner and your GM and your operations works, pretty much. But I guess there's always an opportunity of surprise. I think what hurts teams like the Indians going forward is the removal of the waiver period in August. The waiver trade deadline. Yeah. So there's actually just one solid trade deadline on July 31st. So that's going to be a little hard for them and how to maneuver because they love to pick out those type of deals. They got uh, Jay Bruce a couple years ago and they got Bringer of Rain last year. Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to make moves to acquire anybody to improve the team now, it's going to have to be in the next two weeks. And they're... It's going to put the initiative that they have to actually spend a little bit more than they probably want to to get that type of player. We'll see. You can parlay that and go with net spending by dishing off some of your assets. Which I think will happen. It needs to happen. I, my, I the, the, top, the name at the top of my list is Bauer. I think you and I and a lot of smart baseball people, not to brag, but I feel like, honestly, that's... It has to happen. You can move Bauer, and I feel like a lot of people, a lot of teams will overpay. His value, regardless of how he pitches the rest of the half, mm-hmm. this half of the season, 
tanks astronomically, whether you trade him before the deadline or if you trade him in the offseason. Right. Because and, you, that extra, especially when you're trading him to a contender, that mm-hmm. extra postseason means so much to them. Right. Well, and I'm going from the perspective of, I don't know how much more use he has this year. He's pitched 120 plus pitches this year. How many times? Uh, quite a bit. So I just mean I he has so I mean, granted like Bauer is a specimen. He's an out there dude. He does his own training. So he's not he's a very unique individual with his training. So I mean it, this is what he wants to do. I feel like he'd be happy if he could pitch 200 pitches in a game. He w- I feel like right. he would want to pitch an 18 inning game and put up 250 pitches. He probably would if you asked him to. So but I just mean I I don't know how much more he can his arm can physically go trying to perform at this level i mean he hasn't even had his best stuff in the last month and a half two months i think you're you're thinking a lot deeper into it because i I think people just think on the forefront that he has one more year of control after this and then he's going to be doing his yeah he's going to be no i'm just saying your deal things there's a i feel like there's just a lot of good reasons like I, one of them is going to be that twenty million dollar threshold that they're going to owe him next year. Most likely, what arbitration is going to value him at. Yeah, I just mean there, there's a lot of good reasons to trade Bauer, and He'll I be love your highest paid player next year. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a couple other people I'd like to move too, but I mean I I we talked about this before the season even started. I like to would have liked to have seen them maybe move Kluber. I mean, I just, Klu- especially. I think he only has one more year under yeah. his deal. I don't think he's. Yeah, he's well, he's not moving. Actually, he's got one year solid. He's got a team option. Okay. In twenty twenty two. So I mean, he doesn't have twenty twenty one. My bad. So like, he doesn't have the value. I think to really bring anything at this point. Well, he's injured right now, so he well, really yeah. has no value. But I just mean, even coming into this year, his value this off season, his value was at its highest, and it's only gone down over the course of this season. And then kind of same way with Bauer. Bauer has a higher value, but I feel like it probably has gone down a little bit over the course of the season. But then again, I think people still just have the the idea of what Bauer's potential is and what it can be. So I still think that they'll be able to pay full-handedly. Yeah, I... I you have two years of control going into this offseason of Kluber left, if a team has something out there that's going to blow you away to take him, which I think is going to be very rare in the circumstances, I think you got to go for it. No, you have to take that. Yeah. I you mean, have to. He's going to be making 17-5 next year and 18 in 2021 as a 35-year-old. Yeah. And I understand like, pitchers can go deeper into their careers, but... Yeah. And it's like we, we have pitching depth, like with... Uh, I mean, Bieber's come up and... Hell, Zach, please, Zach. Please, Zach's pitched well. Aaron Savali. Savali and Jeffrey. All three, yeah. of, all three of them have pitched well. And as with any young pitcher, you're going to have growing pains. And we kind of, we saw that with Jeffrey and we saw that with Plesak. Their first few starts, they looked phenomenal. And they, then other teams started to get a scouting report on them. Not so much the next few starts. There's going to be growing pains. You just have to be able to work through that. Kind of change your mindset of things. I think they're going to be good pitchers. Well, one thing I trust about this organization and how they develop is how they develop pitchers. I feel like if there's one position that they've continuously produced over the past 20-plus years, that's where it's been. And it'll be a lot better once we get Mickey Callaway back this offseason. Honestly, I, I said I'd pay I'd pay their buyout. I'd buy out yes. Mickey and tell him to come back, and I'd tell Carl Willis to hit the road. Yes. He, I, I'm sure he's a fine coach and everything, but Mickey Callaway's just a different caliber. Our pitching hasn't been the same since he left. I mean, with a lot of different variables thrown in, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't know. I, I've heard names like Brad Hand, maybe, but I, I don't know if I feel comfortable, especially with how team friendly his contract is. I don't really see the need. No, you that's, can't. That's you like can't a move full, hand. That's a full fire sale move. You, you, yeah, no, you cannot move Hand. Hand is your closer. Granted, he looked terrible in the All Star game, and has given up a home run so far tonight. And didn't look the hottest going into the break, but he is your closer. You don't really have a choice with that right now, right? I mean, I know someone like the a name James Karinchak, who's currently on the IL. 
is it was a hot name in terms of the prospect circles and he got called up to Columbus right before he got hurt and you know has had a stellar ERA he's going to be a nice bullpen piece for this club whenever he does make it his way up to the majors but i mean you're you're working with a bare cover in, in terms of the depth and the relief form yeah. you know you have a lot of starting pitching out there in the system but i think one of the things that's really lacking is those quality re- re- relievers. And we saw right. it the past couple of years when we were just picking up any name off the street. Right, yeah. And then, I mean, it is interesting, like, okay, like the fall of Andrew Miller. How far, oh my he, God. How far he has fallen yeah. from 2016 to, to now. Cody Allen's the same way. Cody Allen's, I think he's on a minor league not, deal in yeah. the minor league system of the Twins. Yeah, Go he's figure. AAA. Now how much you want to bet he'll uh, sh- he'll come back shut down the Indians in the in the last month of the year. The well, last I, series. I really don't want to hear that, but thanks. <laughs> but we we talked a lot of there about you know sells who the could they sell? Where are the scenarios and where do you think this team? We could kind of do this twofold. Where would they buy, and what would they target in return for these sells? I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We kind of need some stronger relief you need, pitching. You need, an outf- you need a starting bat, a major league quality bat. Yes, 1%, you need that. Um, and then definitely My some... My choice, though, you can get a corner infielder that could possibly play third base because if you could finally move Jose back to his natural position of second base, so you, you have to do it. So you're just going to eat what I've been saying? Are you just going to eat then Kipnis' 14 and a half? Uh, sit them on the bench. Oh, I don't think you have to make that initiative now, but I mean, it's something you can process. You're, that's that's well, thinking I, past 2019. I mean, when I say eat, I mean just not play him. Because we've seen in years past when they, when Jose's moved to second, Jose's Tito, not, Tito finds yeah. a way to put him into the lineup, you're and right. that, that means center field. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're asking this management to... But I also didn't think they have someone like Oscar Mercado in center field, which is why they made those moves. I mean, that's fair, but also, like, I don't think anyone would do any worse here's, than Here's Kipnis. a weird thought. How many years has it been since Jose's played in the outfield? Because that feels like a lifetime ago. I don't even remember Jose playing in the outfield. That would have been. He did. He spent that early on before he broke out. That would have had to have been like 2014, 2015 then. It was back Ho- then. Because Jose broke out in 2016. Yes. Like early on. And he played early on in that season. He did some time in the outfield. Yeah. I mean, he rushed onto the scene and then. Uh, he was essentially a utility man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of uh, flipped with uh, back then when we had Lonnie. Lonnie Chisenhall, because he right. was he was a third baseman who kind of reinvented his career by learning how to play the outfield. That is right. Became That's a, a very became a usable outfielder. His bat got better too, and now he's just stuck on the IL with the Pirates. I would like it. I think more often than not, your outfielder or your bat's going to come from the outfield. I saw there was some random person on a post posted like a three team trade opportunity between the Brewers, the Indians, and the Orioles. Uh, you'd send Bauer off to Milwaukee, and I think most of your haul would have been coming from the Orioles, which I didn't like to hear in the first place, but it was like Trey Mancini, who's a very solid outfield bat, yeah. can play right away. He's, I think he's hitting 280. You can stick him in one of your corner outfield spots, and quite honestly, it'll be a make-or-break thing with Jake Bowers and see how can he handle going forward. So I feel like Bowers is kind of, be, kind of being more forced in the lineup to just... Yes. Because of how well Yandi is doing with Tampa. So oh, it, sure. So it's more of a, oh, I'm going to play him every day because Yandi's doing well, so I can't look bad because of this trade. Right. Also, other pieces in that hypothetical were the likes of Michael Givens, their closer for the Orioles, which doesn't mean a lot to me. No. And Dylan Bundy, who's been mediocre at best as a 26-year-old pitcher that just can't get over the hump. He hasn't um, had a good year in years. Yeah, I, I would prefer prospects than those two guys on the back end something like that from the O's yeah but there, there's so many different scenarios and it just depends on who the Indians target because I feel like I hate it but if they traded him to the Yankees they could get the best haul you could get someone like a Miguel Andujar who could yeah. play third base yeah be a 280 hitter and that could really rejuvenize your infield mm-hmm 
yeah, and then, then you can get some prospects on the line. I but then you're looking at then playing the Yankees. Then assuming you lose the division, win the wild card. It depends on how desperate they are, because I feel like if the Yankees get really desperate and start sw- striking out, no pun intended, but on all these starters that they're trying to look at, like Marcus Stroman, maybe a Madison Baumgartner, if they really get desperate and they see Bauer sitting there and they know the Indians have. It sounds like they've made their intentions known that they are interested in selling him at this deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that a guy like maybe Glaber Torres could be on the the market, and he could be a guy that could be a chip sent back in return. And I, I think if you can get Glaber Torres for getting Bauer off the books, I yeah. think you pull that move in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I, I've kind of heard that name floated around a little bit. If the Yankees get desperate... Labor Torres could be a guy that comes back for Cleveland if they do, in fact, strike a deal for Bauer. I mean, we'll see. We got, what, two weeks left? Just a little over two weeks. Two weeks and two days? It's going to be rather exciting. It's all going to come fast. I mean, hell, it's going to be Tuesday the 16th here when you hear this podcast. There might even be some news broken there, and I know there's some rumors about some starting preachers that are going to be on the market here soon. But thank you for listening. We appreciate it. There's going to be a lot more news coming around. Training camps around the corner. Like you said, the MLB trade deadline's coming up too. We'll have a lot more to talk about then. But for now, we will see you later. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time.